Hi everyone, you're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. Today I'll be talking with fellow naturopath Lisa Costa-Beer about how to lose weight without dieting. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time I hope to share with you information on health and well-being with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. Hi Lisa, thanks for joining us. Hi Alison, thanks for having me again. Such a pleasure. So um, I'm sure people have listened to us before talking on, we had the thyroid talk as well and the Ayurvedic medicine talk, but um, just in case anyone's tuning in for the first time, can you um, tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a naturopath. I specialize in thyroid and adrenal health, but I'm really interested in these psychological aspects when it comes to people's weight weight loss struggles really. Having worked with the thyroid, a lot of thyroid patients actually struggle with um, losing weight, those that have a sluggish thyroid. And I've worked in a weight loss clinic for about three years where we practice naturopathic medicine. And I often saw that the psychological aspect was the major barrier in people actually being able to lose weight. They knew the foods that they should eat more of and the foods that the, the foods that they needed to eat less of, but actually doing that was difficult. Mm. Yeah, I see that a lot too. Everyone sort of knows what they need to do, but it's actually getting to that. Mm, that's right. Okay, cool. So we're talking today about how to lose weight without changing your diet too much or without dieting so I think that like you were saying as well that the psychological impact is a huge issue for so many people in terms of actually making those decisions yeah that's right <laughs> research shows that just by changing our behavior around certain lifestyle habits whether that's exercise or the way in which that we are eating we can lose weight and improve our health yeah I totally agree because if you look at the different cultures and you've got people all over the world which have high fat diets or high carb diets and all sorts of things like that and these areas where they're actually um, eating differently there's still um, very healthy people there the main thing that we seem to find is consistent with people who are unhealthy and overweight is eating processed food and eating junk food Mm. and the main thing that we can really do is to um, focus on good like eating and lifestyle habits and making them a habit and that has so much more of an impact on our health long term than just cutting out calories or cutting out carbs or fats or anything like that. That's right, that's right. So habits such as even eating around a dinner table, for example, have been when we sit down to eat and we engage in our conversation, not only is this good from a social perspective in terms of family structure, but we also tend to eat less because we're mindfully eating, we're chewing our food, we're smelling our food and engaging in what we're actually consuming. Whereas when people sit in front of the TV, um, they're going to eat a lot more because they're mindlessly eating and their brains aren't actually thinking, oh, I'm eating these these vegetables mm, look at the table what this flavor of these carrots is so sweet they're actually watching a you know they might be watching the news and, and that may be a, stre- a stressful experience their sympathetic nervous system may be going into overdrive which means that their stomach isn't actually going to be producing hydrochloric acid to break down the food and then that food will sit around um, and probably ferment and then they'll get bloated and they'll suffer from burping and farting later on and wonder why this has happened essentially (laughs) and you're not going to get the nutrients out of your food and then you're not going to feel full from your food if your sympathetic nervous system's on while you're eating as well that's right yeah Mm. but um i think eating at a table as well is quite good because then you're going to be talking so Mm -hmm. you're not going to be constantly eating so you Mm -hmm. might be um you might there's always one person at the table that talks more than the others (laughs) but you, you will put your knife and fork down and you'll sort of be back and forth so there's there's that time as well yeah and they say it takes about 20 minutes for your brain to register um that you're full so when you're sitting in front of the tv and you're mindlessly eating we're not really aware of that we keep just stuffing food mindlessly eating into you know without really in without the brain and the the stomach really communicating or they are communicating but we're just bypassing that however when when we're sitting at the table and we're using a knife and fork and we're we're putting them down in between 
talking, the brain and the, the tummy actually engage properly and we're aware of that fullness. So we're going to eat less as well. Yeah. I think that's a good point as well is to put your knife and fork down between each mouthful <laughs> as opposed to like having it ready to go while you're already chewing. That's right. That's right. Just helps to slow things down a little bit more. Yeah. And um, dimming the lights while you're at the table or having some relaxing music or like playing can be helpful too because mm. the relaxing music helps with um, the parasympathetic nervous system engagement and mm. the dimming the lights also means that you're less likely to rush your food. Mm, lovely. That's a great idea. And, you know, traditionally that's what we do when we're having a romantic dinner for two, we make the effort to do all those things. We light the candles. We we are aware of the aesthetics. You know, nice plates, lovely tablecloth, and so on. And yeah. that really makes a huge difference in in terms of how much we enjoy our food. But in our fast-paced life, you know, our fast-paced lives, often, you know, we may just sit down in front of the TV and shovel food into our mouth and think that that's a relaxing thing because the TV may be helping us to to not engage or think about what we've been thinking about throughout the day but it's not so good for us in the long run really in terms yeah. of our, our the amount that we're eating so one of the things i wanted to talk about as well is something called the um, mindless margin mm-hmm. so there's a there's a book called uh, mindless eating why we eat more than we think by brian Wansick. and that. yeah <laughs> And so basically what he says is that there's a 100 to 200 calorie buffer that you can eat more of or less of and not really notice. Mm. And so what you can do is you can take advantage of this by making a few tweaks in your diet and and that way you don't feel like you're missing out. And the the funny thing is that you can do this for your family members and they won't really notice. So if you're the one that serves up your dinner, then you just do a little bit less and no one will, will even notice. And so when you're trying to lose weight, in the long term, you it is those like one or two hundred calorie differences that do make make a bit of an impact. And so, the things that you can do to sort of help with the um, mindful, like helping with that mindful margin, is things like um, like using smaller plates and, and that sort of thing. So and I, I love that idea. And so when I have when I in the past have tried to lose a bit of weight. I have swapped from a big plate to a smaller plate and you you don't notice, you know, you don't notice the difference at all in terms of how full you feel. Um, so swapping from a from a huge plate because our plate sizes have grown dramatically in the last 20 years as have our, the, the size of our glasses. So when we have a bigger plate and when we have a bigger glass, glass of course, we're going to fill it up more and essentially that means um, more calories. So it's you called it... Um, what did you use the term? The mindless margin. Mindless margin, and I call it portion distortion because right. we become, we become the portion size becomes distorted. The bigger plates look lovely, and we're meant to you know put something really small in the middle. If you go to a fancy restaurant, and they have huge plates yes. with something really little on them. Um, but in when we have these big plates at home, we tend to still fill them up, and we we don't need to do that because essentially it means we're eating more. Yeah, we put, we fill them up right to the edge. Mm, that's right. And so a standard glass of wine, you know, which may only should be really about 30 to 50 mils, which is really nothing. Instead, if we fill up the glass, we're not just pouring one standard drink. Many people actually pour themselves two or three standard drinks and think that that's their one drink. Mm. Uh, so not good. Yeah, because it's quite fashionable now to get these really wide wine glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so (laughs) I always I I, like before I was pregnant I used to really enjoy a glass of wine but the thing is you meant to do it just to the widest part and that's usually where the standard glass is but it's also to help with the like appreciation of the wine as well but like you you do see that people just like hey (laughs) just fill my whole glass up that's right which is okay occasionally, but not when you're having that as you like. You say, "Yeah, I only have a couple of glasses a night," and it's like, "Well, <laughs> you're drinking half a bottle or a bottle, yeah." Yeah. Mm. So just got to be conscious that yeah, that's an like a huge amount of extra calories that you might not be aware of, and mm. I think um, things like having the bigger glasses, like you, you're more likely to drink it quickly, and mm. and like there's a few other things as well that you can do to help with that. Um, yeah. 
Mindless margin as well, like, for instance, like, not holding the glass, like, all the time, like, put it down in between each, similar to the knife and fork. That's right. So the placement of wine actually influences our consumption as well. When wine, wine drinkers actually consume 12% more when the wine glass is in their hands compared to when they're yeah. sitting on the table. So you're right, put that wine glass down <laughs> in between sips. <laughs> There's a few other things along that line though, isn't there? That's right. So try and use a narrower glass instead of a wider glass as well. Drinking uh, When we're drinking out of narrow, narrow glasses, we actually um, drink less. When, when people were given a wider glass, they actually poured about 12% more. The colour of the wine is also important. So if you're trying to drop a little bit of weight, favour the red wine instead of the white, which sounds a bit funny. But actually when um, people were drinking um, white wine, they actually drank 10%, close to 10% more due to the fact that the low contrast of the wine on the glass made it difficult to see, so they, oh. they actually drank more. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that a lot of people view white wine, though, as like the easy drinking, quaffing wine, mm. and red wine is just like, yeah, mm, I'm going to appreciate this wine. <laughs> it's good for my cardiovascular system. <laughs> good for my heart that's what I always hear yeah <laughs> um okay cool so and then the narrow glasses compared to the fat glasses mm. is a good, good tip as well for for other sorts of drinks and um then the, the plate size um so what so some other things that we were talking about was the eating at the table um, concentrate on your food as well. These are all to help you eat more mindfully. Yeah, chew, chew your food. So, you know, essentially what we're talking about is we don't need to, well, it's good to change what you're eating if you want to lose weight. Obviously, if you're still going to eat burgers and pies, there's going to be problems. But for the most part, if you if you don't want to change what you eat, simply changing these behaviour habits, like using a smaller glass, like sitting at the table, like chewing your food, more than three times in one mouthful, you are going to notice a change in the quantity that you eat, which will lead to less calories consumed and weight loss, mm. and even more weight loss if you combine that with a bit of exercise too. <laughs> and this isn't just for you know one person. The whole family will benefit because the studies show that when the whole family is sitting down at the table, the whole family have a lower body mass index, which is a measure off your overall weight really mm. so what we're talking about isn't just for the one person it benefits the whole family i think that's really important because then um, when you've got everyone on board then you're more likely to encourage each other on as well mm. yeah. that's right and so even you know if you go to cafes and restaurants and things like that well-known lots of places we're getting a really really big portion um so at a well-known coffee shop um, for example, they serve up a fettuccine marinara at a whopping close to 5,000 kilojoules. And that's designed to be a meal for one from a nutritional perspective in terms of the kilojoules, the fats, the protein and the sodium. But essentially that could feed three people that for, for a lunch. Mm -hmm. So even a Caesar salad, a well-known coffee shop chain, offer a Caesar salad for close to four just over 4,000 kilojoules and that's half the daily recommended daily intake of your energy in just that one meal and it's a salad you know we're thinking oh see it's a salad but that's half your calories gone for for the half for half the day so we don't always need to finish what's on our plate um, yeah. you know you can share a meal if it comes out looking big share it um, or save half for later you don't need to yeah. finish or ask for it to be taken home for lunch the next day. I know that there's a lot of places that do say that you can't, we, we don't do doggy bags and that sort of thing. Mm. They say that it's illegal. It's actually not illegal. No. No. <laughs> um, you know, we often get sucked in because we think, oh, what a generous serve. Oh, that's a great value for money. But from a health perspective, we, re we really need to reconsider whether a bigger portion is truly real value particularly when you think about the long-term consequences and mm. how much you have to spend on your health if, if you let that go out of control. Mm, that's right. Yeah, and it's really it's what you do most of the time that's important. And, mm. like, if you go out somewhere and you have a fancy meal and, like, you, you might eat quite a lot at that dinner, that's, you know, that's, that's great. I'm all for, like, having a great time and that sort of thing. And 
but it's it's like these sorts of things, these cafes that like you would be thinking, oh yeah, that's okay um, to do that regularly. You might do that once or twice a week, depending on like your lifestyle. But it's that's the, that's the instance where you need to sort of like take a step back and you go, okay, like how much am I really eating? And so that portion distortion or, or mindless margin, as we were talking about, getting people to be more aware of their portion control is really important. So yeah, so take they. Like, remove leftovers when you're serving up your food or or halve your meal like when it's presented to you at the cafe and say all right well that's going to be for later and then um it's slower so that you actually get that opportunity for the body to tell you that you're full because like you said before it takes 20 minutes and you need to be chewing properly in order for that message to come through as well because it's the stretching of the jaw muscle while you're chewing and the stretching of the stomach that actually sends that message through to say all right we've eaten we're done now (laughs) that's right and even you know if you're getting a juice or something like that big chains such as boost juice offer something from a kid size down to the really really huge ones same with coffees you know we don't need to get the extra 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 large one often choose the kid size one if you're going to get ice cream for example just we don't need three scoops or four scoops with all the toppings and so on I've, i always just ask for the kid size one because the the scoops are quite big anyway so you know one scoop is it doesn't mean you have to you can't you don't have to say no i don't have to have any because this it's not about deprivation but it's about smaller portions and we know that when we have the ice cream or the popcorn or the chips it's the first few servings the first few tastes that are the best and by yeah. the end, by the end of it you know you're not really enjoying it in the same way so choose a smaller bit enjoy it and don't you know you don't need all the extras because yeah as i said right at the end when you get to that third scoop, you're not getting the same enjoyment factor as you did with the first few mouthfuls. It's it's at that point that it does it does become mindless eating that you are just sort of shoveling. So and if if you've got that sort of a small amount to begin with, then you will appreciate it much more and you'll take your time with it. So mm. um, sim- along those lines as well, things like um, don't eat out of a packet. Mm. Um, so like if you have a bag of chips or like a, a big thing of popcorn that has like it's not just the one serve in there then mm. like serve that out for yourself and... in a pretty bowl you know in a nice little bowl something, <laughs> something nice. beautiful why not yeah That's we eat it. with our eyes don't we definitely mm. yeah don't um, out of the juice container you know, <laughs> that's a really common one standing at the fridge and just swigging it down pour it into a glass don't stand at the cupboard and just help yourself, as you're saying, to the chips or the popcorn or take take spoons out of the ice cream container. Measure it out. Sit down. Enjoy it. Nice. Might might be a bit more washing up, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, that might burn some calories. <laughs> That's right. Some other things that I think can be helpful to help you to eat mindfully is well, things that help to hold you accountable for your portions is to keep a food journal mm. um, so just write, writing it out in a little book or using some apps like MyFitnessPal or something along those lines can be really good because then you actually realise how much of an impact that's going to have on your daily intake and like having said that I'm not like a big advocate of calorie counting but I do think that when you're starting to look at your diet then it is beneficial to sort of work out how much calories you or kilojoules you do need and then how much you're actually getting in and then you can see whether you're way under or way over and then you, you can also then while you're keeping a few days just to examine it sort of um, go oh that's actually really um, like way more intake than I want to have so you might double um, double think that rethink yeah. that yeah yeah no I think that's a great idea and that's something I get most of my patients to do for in their initial after they see me keep a food and lifestyle diary for two weeks and I always ask them afterwards when they bring it back for me to see what did you learn what what surprised you about your diets and some of them will say look I'm just surprised at how much I I eat but I don't think I eat um because you know that sneaky little biscuit or eating the kids breakfast after they've they've finished theirs and they've left you know half the toast and the crust if you're then consuming that essentially you can be eating your own breakfast but then eating another two pieces of toast on top of that that you just haven't kind of added to your intake for the day so I find it a really useful tool 
um, in understanding our behaviours around food. And again, here we can see sometimes when people are doing their diet diary, they might not they might skip breakfast, but then they eat triple the amount at lunch. And so they feel like, oh, well, I, I hardly eat anything today because I skipped breakfast and I didn't have any snacks. But then they ate their entire energy intake um, at, at lunch, for example. So, yeah, the research actually shows when people write down what they eat, they lose a lot more weight than people that don't due to the, all those little things, the little bits that we pick on. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big thing. And it comes down to just getting a good practice in place and getting your habits right, and and those habits can be not pick like not picking on your kids' food, on picking out <laughs> your kids' food. Sorry, um, and this sort of goes back to what we were saying before about how dieting in the long term just doesn't work. No. And one of the issues with that is that it stops you from being able to listen to your own satiety cues. So yeah, so you you can't actually. So you're constantly feeling like you're in this state of um, deprivation and so you suppress, suppress, suppress that hunger feeling. Mm -hmm. But um, because of that, it also stops you from feeling when you're full, when mm -hmm. that satiety message isn't coming through. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, so then you're more likely to overeat later on and mm -hmm. you're also, if you eat, when you're hungry, then your metabolism is going to be better. So for these people who are skipping their breakfasts and, and doing um, like not much lunch or not snacking and then having a big dinner or, or something along those lines, then the metabolism is, go is going to be funny. Um, I see a lot of people who do say that I don't understand why I'm not losing weight because I don't eat anything. Mm. Um, and it's exactly that. It's a, well, your metabolism has been affected by this long-term starvation diet and by eating at the wrong times. Mm. It's such a hard thing for people to have to deal with because they've got all these messages coming at them from the internet and all these diet yeah. books and all these celebrities doing these diets and stuff like that. Mm. So instead of actually listening to their own bodies and like eating well long-term, then like they're unfortunately stopping their metabolism up <laughs> yeah look there's a lot of research to say that we know dieting doesn't work um but we know that eating a whole food diet with plenty of nutrients and having a little bit of what you like you know if it's a little bit of chocolate um or whatever small you know i think that 80 20 rule so lots of nourishing food but 20 percent of food for the soul because you know if you, if you want to have that that piece of cake or whatever if long term we know as you said deprivation doesn't work cut people you know cut out these foods for maybe even you know years and then they it all gets too much and, and they go they start to binge eat so even in the research it shows people who have a history of eating disorders such as anorexia um actually have problems with their thyroid later on um due to the fact that all this meal skipping and calorie um, restriction has impacted their, their hormones and their thyroid and then they end up with a sluggish metabolism as a result of that. Yeah. Mm. The other thing is that dieting will affect your willpower. Mm. Um, and willpower is dependent on your blood sugar levels and yeah. so you need to have yeah, good glucose supply to your brain mm. and so you use up all your willpower. <laughs> And it's, you know, we're faced with over 200 different types of food marketing on a daily basis. So really? even the strongest person, <laughs> their, their willpower is going to get, you know, quite a bashing. So if you if you are hungry and you have been skipping meals, then you've really got no chance, really, with all these food messages, you know, coming at us. And it's funny because the, the people that do have to deal with the most stress and the strongest people are the ones that are more likely to get the emotional eating and the food problems. So it's like the, the Oprah issue. <laughs> yeah. so, um, she's, got a problem. she's got a thyroid issue too. So, oh, well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> double whammy. Oh. Yeah, so that just it doesn't help um so when you've got um so much stuff that you have to ex to use up your willpower on because you don't you don't have an infinite supply of willpower then um then you get to the end of the day and you go oh, i'm gonna eat all that ice cream mm, and right. all the chips yeah 
because I deserve it is the message that the ads tell us. You you deserve it. You know, you've you've had a really hard day at work. You deserve to have that chocolate. But actually, maybe we can treat yourself. Treat yourself, yeah. But maybe we can treat ourselves in a different way, a way that's not food rewarded. So, with my patients, you know, I get them to okay. Well, maybe you can go and have a manicure, a pedicure, or you can buy yourself a trashy magazine, or you can have a massage. Let's do something else to reward ourselves that's not food related. Because at a very, very young age, we 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 try to reward our kids and we reward ourselves with food. I, I see it myself with my daughter. She falls down. The first thing I'm looking at is, like, oh, here, here, have have this piece of food to try and distract her from her cut knee or, you know, if I'm wanting to do some work and she's, mummy, mummy, mummy. I'm like trying to think of, okay, here, have this bit of food so that I can just have this five minutes to do this. And then we wonder later on in life when we're adults why we have these problems with food. It's because at such a young age we're being conditioned to be rewarded with food. Oh, you're not feeling well. Here, have some food. Oh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're bored. bored. Yeah. Have some food. Um, so, you know, with my weight loss patients, I tell them don't expect to see miracles in those first few weeks because you're trying to undo behaviours that have been ingrained for years and years and years and years and you can't do that in a week or two. And along the road in the weight loss journey, if there are slumps, you know, if they do binge eat, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's, you know, that's life. It's going to happen because we've been ingrained a certain way. It takes yeah. a long time to change behaviours like that. Definitely. And so on that note, I do like to work hand in hand with, say, psychologists that specialise in cognitive behavioural therapy because essentially that's what we need to do. We need to change ingrained behaviours. And so, for example, I've had a patient that I've been working with for, gosh, at least two years and she she's she loses weight. She, she may lose up to you know, 20, 30 kilos, but then some sort of stressful trigger occurs and she will binge eat and, p- and put on like 10 kilos and then she'll lose it and then she'll gain it and then she'll lose it. So she knows what she should and shouldn't be eating too much of, but the behavior element is important. So I've, we, I definitely find working in conjunction with what I do and um, somebody that specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy can just be the the icing on the cake to change those behaviors i think that's such an important thing Mm. i guess um because like the issue with with comfort eating is that you're putting in food that you don't actually need Mm. and in the majority of cases it's not healthy food and Mm. then that can cause its own problems so um dealing with stress and emotion by comfort eating also means that you're not processing the emotions and the Mm. stress properly and it's a circle because you you eat that sort of food for you're binge eating because you're stressed and you want that comfort and temporarily temporarily for about five minutes you're feeling good because your reward centers your dopamine are being they're they're lighting up you're getting rewarded by these high fat high energy foods but then that's followed with a a huge crash because then you start to get that self-loathing for yourself and how could I do that I was so weak and now I feel so fat and disgusting tomorrow's going to be another day okay I'm going to going to try and be different tomorrow but then the cycle repeats itself and repeats itself and I think so. In in terms of that, it's you've got to learn to forgive yourself. And... Mm. <laughs> yeah, and understand that there's a lot of things at play. It's not just about willpower. You know, your brain is circuited a certain way too. So certain areas of the brain are associated with that reward system and that craving, and they they're lighting up. And they want they mm. want that high fat, <laughs> that high energy high refined foods the sugar um definitely yeah so it's kind of like an addiction we we spend a lot of time you know if someone has an addiction to drugs or alcohol there's a lot of help they can get and we have a certain sympathy towards them and we would never offer somebody who's an alcoholic a drink or we'd never offer a drug addict a drink and we wouldn't be advertising that but there are people that are food addicts and they have to be around high fat food and highly refined food all the time they go to the supermarket they go to the service station we see it being advertised on tv in our prime time slot and they spend those advertisers spend huge amounts of money trying to get us to buy their product 
um, we would never see that with alcohol or drugs. We see with gambling, you know, that's that's really frowned upon. Friday night football, they have all the they used to have the gambling, and they had to take that off because we recognise what a huge problem that is. But food, food doesn't seem to get the same sort of attention. Mm. And like, if even if you sort of say, all right, I have an, a problem with emotional eating, you might go to a party and someone say, I'll just have a little bit of cake, a little bit won't hurt. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people that like to sabotage other people's, um, yeah, they like to sabotage other people's weight loss, uh, their dieting, well, not dieting, but when people are trying to change their, their diets and lifestyles, you'll find that there are people that like to sabotage that, and that's often, maybe they're, they're just being a bit dismissive, they don't understand how important it is to to you or to the patient, but, um, you know, with my patients, we talk about ways in which we can we can overcome that so say somebody's offering them the alcohol oh go on just have a wine it won't kill you or you know you might just want to say well i'm taking antibiotics at the moment for this horrible yeast infection um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and they probably won't want to talk about it anymore and they'll just leave you right alone yeah. um so working you know we we always like to workshop all the possible scenarios that that may occur and and trying to find ways in which we can help with that and I, so knowing your triggers and knowing mm -hmm. the situations where things are going to get triggered can be helpful and staying away from that and having mm -hmm. these scripts that like you'd workshop in place ready to go so mm -hmm. for instance if you have a bad day then like a stressful day then have something that you can sort of do in the meantime to unwind to um, get that stress hormone have something that you're going to eat um ready to go that's going to actually help with sending that glucose to the brain to satisfy that craving for the bad food and and then in parties and things like that eat beforehand so that you're eat some healthy food beforehand so that you're less likely to Darling. be tempted yeah. <laughs> that's right and it's yeah. shocking for example don't shock on an empty tummy it can be, you know, if we go grocery shopping and we haven't eaten, oh, you can just end up, they show that we actually buy more and we buy more of the things that have a particular emphasis on those high calorie, high, highly refined foods. So don't skip a meal or don't go to the supermarket shopping because you're going to choose foods that aren't as nutritious for you. And when we fast for a long period of time and when we deprive ourselves, again, we increase brain reactivity to certain foods over other types and we increase our um, brain reactivity to those highly processed foods. So instead of choosing the fruits and veggies, we're much more likely to go in and, and get a um, packet of chips or something like that. So in one study, patients that were fasting showed increased activation in their brain areas associated with reward um, in response to high-calorie food versus those lower-calorie foods. So it doesn't really pay to eat before you go grocery shopping if you're wanting to, to drop some fat. Yeah, and like make, a, make a list and plan your meals. Make a list, absolutely. So <laughs> Today I tell my patients, just spend an hour looking through magazines or jumping on the internet. There's lots of great recipe sites and do a little meal planner. And that way, you know, you're set for your week. You kind of know what you're having. You don't have to stick to it. I, I do this myself and, I, you know, often I don't stick to it. But at least if I've got good, healthy food in the fridge with plenty of fruits and veggies, um, meats and so on that have been cooked like I might do a slow roasted lamb on a Sunday and then I can have that cold in salads throughout the week at least if it's there I'm much more unlikely to call up the pizza or something like that yeah you know, if it's there we'll eat it and also place placing the food in the fridge also makes a difference so in the, 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 the on the shelves that are closest to you put all the healthy stuff the stuff that the fruits and the veggies and things like that and put your chocolates and some of the, the more treat, the nourishing um, soul food on the lower shelves or on the side shelves where they're not make, where you're not making eye contact with them every day or, you know, however many times you open the fridge because when food is placed on those fridges, we, we want them straight away. It's like if you've got chocolates on your desk, you're much more likely to continue to eat them, put them away on your, your in your drawers and if out of sight, out of mind. Mm. And I think with that as well, 
um, you can sort of have everything ready to go in the fridge in sections. So like that's that's your salads and that would be your, your lunch section and your crudite, like your snack section all ready to go so that you don't open the fridge and get completely overwhelmed and think, mm. oh, bugger it, I'll just go to McDonald's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's right. Um, my dog started snoring, so you might be able to hear her in the background. <laughs> So, um, in ter- yeah, in terms of the emotional eating, like it's it's such a hard thing for so many people to deal with, and I think it's a long term thing, as you were saying, and you've got to have those um, things in place to help deal with it. Know your triggers. Um, I, I think it's important to remember to be kind to yourself. Like it's okay to feel emotions that aren't on the positive side. Like it's part of life. That's right. Yeah. And then with every down or with every up, you know, there's always going to be down and. With every down, and eventually there will be an up too. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, when you when you're feeling the urge to have some emotional eating, there's a few things that you can do. So you think, is it above the neck or is it below the neck hunger? So um, you you might have to take a moment and pay attention. And is it like a normal like is it is your stomach growling? Like do you actually feel that hunger sensation, or is it are you wanting to eat because you're comfort eating or are you bored? And mm. so if if you recognise that oh, I actually am not really hungry, it's an emotional eating thing, then you could do some things like make a cup of herbal tea uh, even just the act of making tea helps to reduce your cortisol levels Um, so it it does help just to sort of satisfy that um, reaction Um, Mm. do things like brushing your teeth yeah brushing your teeth is something my patients often find you know go get 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 those hands busy Um, and then once your teeth are clean and minty fresh yeah you're not going to want to dirty that again if you if you do well Go for it, but most people most people yeah. don't want to. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. mum actually knits while watching TV because my dad loves to have all these little snacks like potato chips and nuts and wine, and she finds that knitting, keeping her hands busy, um, actually stops her from mindlessly eating all this stuff before dinner. Yeah. I, actually, I, I like to knit while I'm watching TV <laughs> for some reason. Um, I guess remember that if you do fall off the deep end, then – You've got to yeah, forgive yourself and move on. Yeah, like, get back on the, the wagon. Yeah, if you went out and you had a big night and you'd saved all this money for a trip to Queensland, maybe, and you went out and spent a quarter of it on booze at the pub, you wouldn't say, okay, well, let me just spend all the rest of it now. You'd just get back on yeah. the and because it's, it's so common for people to just go, I'll bugger it, and mm. then they give them, all or themselves permission yeah. to eat all the rest of the junk from there on and then until yeah. until they get this this mind shift. And so, so, yeah, just remember you're only human and, and everyone makes mistakes. And mm. if you're working on, like, correcting your habits, like, for the rest of the time and eating well most of the time, then you can handle, a, like, a bad meal or something like that occasionally mm. and... I think the other thing to remember is that if you are going to have a treat, then make it good. Like, so make it a really good quality one rather than like a processed bit of junk. And Mm. also don't feel guilty about it. Yeah, enjoy it. Because if you are experiencing guilt or stress while you're eating, then you're actually more likely to put on fat from that Mm -hmm. food rather than if you did just enjoy it. Because, again, the stress hormones. But, yeah, people people who felt guilty about eating something a bit naughty Mm. did actually gain more weight. Um, in some mm. other studies that I found with. So um, apart from that, um, dealing with emotional eating, it's important to learn to deal with your stress long-term. So see a practitioner or start looking at some other sort of strategies that you can put in place like um, mindfulness and breathing exercises and things like that. Just stuff that's helpful for dissipating the anxiety so that you, you don't have to follow that through with the comfort eating. Mm. That's right. Have a little, I think have a support team in place. Mm. Most, I've just had a patient come back to me who had lost a considerable amount of weight and then um, she decided to start going on her own for a bit and I didn't really hear from her and she came back and she said, look, I've put on a little bit of weight. I was worried about seeing you because, you know, I feel I feel um, like I've let you down. I said, no way. And what we, we actually came to the conclusion was that she needs a little support team to check in with regularly and you know I'm part of that just to keep her on track Mm. and to keep her honest essentially she knows what she needs to do but left to her own devices sometimes she can 
fall off the wagon and yeah. there is there, she needs those people to help her get back on track and that you know that's to not be just held me. accountable yeah that's right and that includes you know her personal trainer and so on she'd actually moved so she stopped seeing her personal trainer and she had a free gym at her underneath her building but when she didn't have because she didn't have appointments she started not not going so you know having your little support team in place and having those appointments booked makes a big difference definitely and that's coming from you know when I was younger I actually struggled with my weight and I found that when I had my regular appointments to check in with where I was going um, it did keep me completely honest compared to when there was you know a month break or something like that over Easter I thought oh excellent got a couple of weeks where I can get into the Easter eggs and yeah and yeah having having regular check-ins really helps and the benefit of doing that, of having that relationship with a practitioner and, and seeing people regularly, is that part of the process should also be on educating you about mm. healthy, just like healthy eating generally, mm. so that you can make the better decisions. Because mm. if if you just sort of step out there into the world of food and you don't really know what to do there's so many different messages coming at you from all these different directions Mm -hmm. and you've got all these packages of food out there that say healthy and low fat and low calorie and good for weight loss and all that all that junk and that's the stuff that will really stuff you up Mm -hmm. and people people are more likely to sort of overeat on foods that are marketed as being healthy for you as well and it's still going to have the calories (laughs) And I think this is where companies like Jenny Craig and Light and Easy and so on actually with their ads, you know, especially at times like around January and New Year's resolution, they really latch on to people's insecurities. But while they're providing you with the food, which, you know, we can, we'll leave whether they're nutritious to another, another podcast, but essentially they're not teaching you to change your habits around why you're making the food choices that you are. And so you really have to eat get these products forever and ever and ever because if you're not learning how to to change those psychological um, habits that are causing you to overeat then the weight's never going to be able to be the weight loss isn't going to be maintainable mm, yeah, mm. definitely mm. so exercise I think is quite an, uh, an important thing to implement in if we're wanting to lose weight but not really change what we're eating our bodies are designed to move so we do need to make sure we're moving them this doesn't have to mean killing yourself at the gym or flogging yourself at all but simply by increasing the amount that you move your body and that can be things like taking the stairs um, instead of the lift and you know getting off at the train stop before the one you usually do and walking that extra 10 minutes can all help to increase um, the amount of weight that you lose and also tone your body so that it's not you're not not getting flabby you can lose weight but it can all be flabby and soft and jiggly or you can lose weight and, and tone at the same time yeah the only thing you need to make sure of is that when you're exercising you're not eating more to compensate and reward yourself for exercising which is something that's really common and I've look I've done that too but um, (laughs) we've got to make sure that we we don't do that because research shows that people who frequently who exercise actually frequently sabotage their training efforts by rewarding themselves for being active so again it comes back to reward yourself with something different that's not food related yeah Mm. And along those lines, pants or you know, (laughs) new gym shoes or something like that to keep you motivated. I think that there hasn't been anything that I've found to motivate me to exercise as much as buying a new Lauren Jane outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna rock this. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, what you were talking about is refer is actually referred to as non-exercise activity thermogenesis, and so mm-hmm. it's basically burning calories without exercising or without like getting your sweat on, and or it's sometimes it's just called NEAT, and I think that is such an important thing because it can make that difference between one or two hundred calories a day that you burn, and. For some people, that can be one or two kilos on the scales. The difference between their ideal weight and like not having that, like that extra little bit of pudge that you're just not quite happy with. 
Now, I'll just say that I, I do think that there is so much stress being put on women these days with all these images coming out about perfect bodies. And I think that you can have a pretty big range of weight and still be really healthy. So it's for me, it's about aiming to be healthy, not to be skinny. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But, um, I agree. And, and in that sense, if you're aiming to be healthy, then your diet isn't about deprivation. Whereas if you're aiming to be skinny, then your diet does become about deprivation. Then that's when you can't you can't maintain it long term, and then your hormones suffer, and then you get this um, yo-yo dieting and, and weight fluctuations and things like that. But yes. <laughs> I also think what you do on the weekends is really important. And so when we're doing these diet diaries that we've talked about, um, what we talked about earlier, understanding how our, our diet habits can be different on the weekends as opposed to during the week is actually really interesting too because a lot of people actually cut loose on the weekends. Mm-hmm. You know, they might have a nice meet friends for brunch or take the kids out for breakfast or have a different type of breakfast to what they have during the week and that's okay but we just need to be aware if we're trying to lose weight that possibly we may be consuming a lot more um so you know in the re- in the research they actually show that we consume much more um on the weekends and this leads to a weight gain that is visible on sundays and mondays when they won't they've weighed people that that's when they put on weight because they're eating more at the weekend so more calories more weight um, so while, you know, if we don't want to change that meeting up for brunch or having, you know, pancakes with loads of maple syrup with the kids, then what we need to do is just be a bit more active on the weekend. So after you have brunch, go for a nice bush walk or go for a, bu- a walk up the beach or just around, around the area um, or do some, take the kids to trampolining or mm. something like that, ice skating, where we are making sure that we're not just being sedentary because it's really easy with the world that we're living in and the technology to not really move that much during the day. I used to live in a unit and I'd go down the lift to get to my car and then I wouldn't even have to get out of my car. I'd just press a little remote button to get out of the, the car park and then I'd drive to work, walk up the stairs and I'd literally sit down for eight hours and then I would repeat the process but just to get home and then I would sit on the couch and then I'd go to sleep and there wasn't much body movement happening there at all so because of all the improvements that we're seeing in technology we're seeing that it does have a detrimental effect to our health because we don't even have to get up to turn the buttons on the tv which is something I had to do when I was a child we didn't have remote controls to talk on the phone you know we've got our mobiles we don't really have to get up and stand and talk on the phone where where we we, like we used to so while you know lifts and escalators and all that sort of stuff sure make things easier from a physical perspective we're actually moving our bodies less and that's going to impact calories particularly if we if we are consuming more so yeah (laughs) yeah i mean we're trying to make things easier for ourselves but like what are the consequences of that (laughs) yeah so I guess um, one of the other things in terms of keeping your weight under control is getting a better sleep. <laughs> yeah, sleep so, is important. Yes. So and the, I'm sure, do you see this with your patients? Patients that are shift workers, for example, often have more problems maintaining a healthy weight. Definitely, definitely. And they actually had a study where they well, the, the first time they were really able to solidly identify the link between sleep and and weight was about 15 this study that they did over 15 years with a group of nurses mm-hmm. and so they found that the less sleep that the nurses reported um, the more overweight they tended to be and then this correlation has been replicated in other studies but the exact mechanism of why it's happening is still yet to be completely understood but there are there are a few theories mm-hmm. um, so for instance they think that lack of sleep um, can lead to reduced impulse control so you're more likely to eat bigger portions or to reach for junk food instead of real food um, lack of sleep can also increase inflammation which mm-hmm. can affect your appetite controlling hormones such as leptin and ghrelin mm-hmm. and the more tired you are the less likely you are to want to be active during the day and mm-hmm. to want and to want to exercise um, mm-hmm. 
But, like, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, taking a sleeping pill is going to help you to drop the kilos, but it is important to try and take steps to get a good night's sleep so in order to help with your weight control. And so it's just, it's just one of those tools along with everything, such as recognising the emotional eating and controlling your portions and doing the neat that, um, activity, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, that it just helps with adding up all those little small things, which can be a big difference in the long yeah. term. Yeah, that's right. You often see that with new new mums. Um, they're not getting the same style of sleep that they were getting previously, um, so they can often find that they put on weight after they have the baby um, due to that lack of sleep and then making poorer food choices because they're not, again, the behaviour style changes around eating because they might be looking after the baby first and foremost. So. Yeah, definitely. And there's so many different factors that can be involved for new mums in, in their weight control as well, such as stress and, and depression can contribute towards weight gain as well because of the hormonal effect with that. So, yeah. I enjoy <laughs> You're having a baby soon. I am. Yeah, so the fun things that I can look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I guess with, we've talked about the psychological elements, but I do think just one thing that's important is, again, thyroid function because, you know, if you, you, can, you can be eating lettuce basically and still be putting on weight if your thyroid's not functioning properly. So it's always important to check out those sorts of things with your practitioner as well. Definitely. Yeah, there's so many hormonal imbalances that can be a factor. So um, if you want to learn a bit more about that, I think both of us have got articles on that on our relevant websites mm. um, on underlying barriers to weight loss. So mm. have a look for those. I'll put up some links. Mm. Great. Yeah. Awesome. So I think we're getting close to the end now. So is there anything else that you wanted to um, to talk about in, in terms of this? Um, not really. I think we've we've covered it all. Um, but yeah, that's it. I think from my side. Yeah, I think it's a lot um, for people to be able to work with. And um, I guess the the thing is, is that if you if you do need extra help, then yeah, talk to talk to someone about it and see a practitioner. Mm. So all right, cool. So if anyone wants to get in contact with you, how can they do that? Well, they can find me on my website, www.lisacostabeersnaturopath.com.au or on Facebook under Lisa Costabeer Naturopath. Awesome. And my website's naturopathnsw.com.au and social media um, links on there as well. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) So um, if if you enjoyed today's podcast please subscribe on itunes and um, soundcloud and please leave a review on itunes as well if if you get the opportunity and also if you do want to submit any questions for future podcasts please um, feel free to do that so you can do that through um, my facebook page or through the comments on the website or you can just um, shoot me a question through the contact form on the website as well awesome All right, thanks, Lisa. So, have an awesome day. Yeah, you too. And thanks, thanks everyone for listening. Bye.